You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 37. You asked and I answered. Today's podcast episode is super fun because I am answering eight questions, and hopefully what I say will help you guys somehow. In this episode, you'll hear my long list of recommended books and how you can learn to love yourself, and the answer might actually surprise you. I also share the summarized version of how this ministry even got started and what to do when there's backlash about you working from home. This episode gets pretty deep, I'm not going to lie, but it also gets pretty practical as I share some writing tips for anyone wanting to write their own book someday. Maybe one of these questions was yours, or maybe you've been thinking about these kind of topics, so let's just jump right in. Here is episode number 37 that I am calling... Q&A with Jay. You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? Keeping great content and products coming takes not only time, but money. This got me thinking, how can I keep doing what I love, creating stuff you love, while also building a special program just for Hello Awesome's most loved supporters? Enter in Patreon. Patreon is an amazing website where I have put together an exclusive reward membership system. For as low as $2 a month, I will exchange your financial contribution with incredible benefits not found anywhere else. This includes bonus podcast episodes that haven't even been released yet, audio content, free digital copies of all of my books, current and future, beautiful phone wallpapers, an official Hello Awesome tote bag, and so much more. Just go to patreon.com backslash hello awesome. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com backslash hello awesome to become a Hello Awesome Patreon today or click the link in the show notes. I appreciate you so much and just giving a little bit to Hello Awesome, you will receive so much exclusive content from yours truly. One more thing. Did you know my books, The Palace Keepers and The Glitter Effect are available as an ebook and paperback on Amazon? That's right. Just search the titles and add them to your next Amazon order, and you can actually have one of my books in your hands in just a few days. Your support means the world to me. It really fills my heart, and it financially supports current and future Hello Awesome projects. Head to the show notes for a direct link to my Amazon author bio for more details. I am pleased to announce that the Hello Awesome podcast is sponsored by the modest fashion clothing brand, Nuggles. Aiming to always provide beautiful, comfortable, and affordable apparel, Nuggles desires every lady to embrace modesty with style. You don't have to break the bank or sacrifice that morning latte when you shop with Nuggles. In fact, Hello Awesome listeners can use the 10% off exclusive discount code by using HelloAwesome10 during checkout. Go to Nuggles.us to browse their full collection today. Again, that's nu G-G-L-E-S dot U-S to shop high quality products to add to your modest wardrobe right now. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. I am doing something super fun today. 
and I might do it once every new season, so we'll see how it goes. Here's the thing. I was not too sure about doing a question and answer episode because it actually felt kind of arrogant. Like, send me your greatest questions and watch my knowledge blow your mind. But I actually felt like it made sense. I do get many questions from time to time, and I thought I'd put up a box in my Instagram stories and gather them all so that I could answer them right here on a solo episode. Not because I think I know everything, but I have gone through some things, so maybe it'll help you too. Now, I have shared about my journey during the beginning of season one, but let me quickly recap for you. In 2007, I was commissioned to paint a Christian art series for a family friend, and that led to me having my first spiritual encounter with the Lord. I made the decision to leave a difficult relationship in order to follow Jesus. I started speaking more about God with an apostolic friend from work who just happened to be incredibly handsome, and we eventually started dating. Within a few short months of him bringing me to his church, I was filled with the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name. In June of 09, we became husband and wife and started a new life together. A year later, in 2010, I was laid off from my bank teller job. Now, I honestly spent the majority of that job writing my first book, The Palace Keepers, which details my incredible testimony and wondering why in the world was I even doing math every day when I was so bad at it? And it turns out the pink slip that I was given actually was confirmation about that. That same afternoon, when I got home after being fired, I opened a new online shop and blog and basically started Pinteresting, YouTubing, and Googling my way through everything I wanted and needed to learn. I failed a lot, and honestly, I still do. Let's just say that math is still my greatest nemesis. But since then, we've had two beautiful boys, moved into our dream fixer-upper, celebrated 10 years of marriage, and so many other things that just fill in the blanks. I am not perfect. Life is definitely not perfect. But God is. And he has taught me so, so much. So before we get into the questions, I just want to encourage anyone who isn't sure about their dreams to give them to God. Because I am living proof that when you place your trust into his hands, someday he might just give you back your dreams better than you could ever imagine. There is a reason why God has designed you with special talents and gifts. Sometimes it's a toss-up between confusion on what to even do with them or flying by the seat of our pants into situations that might not be carved out for us. Trust them with the process. I guarantee what you're asking for will be answered differently, and that may not be a bad thing. God took my art and my writing, and he turned it around to glorify him. I could never have orchestrated that on my own. Okay, so let's get started here. First, I want to thank everyone who submitted a question. The fact that you even had a question and you wanted me to answer it is just super cool to me. There were a few duplicates, which only tells me that you guys are on the same page, and that's actually really awesome. So today I have eight questions, and they are honestly really good. I'm not going to put any names of the people who sent them out there just because I want to have respect for them. And I'll probably have that as a basic rule whenever you send me questions and I share them on the podcast. It's just better that way. So question number one, what books do you recommend? Okay, so I have a rule. I know I'm full of them, right? But I don't read other people's books when I'm writing my own. 
kind of makes sense, right? I just don't want their voice, their writing influence to change my voice in the way that I write. I do, in fact, study and I read books and I gain insight and I write those insights down and I take notes. But I don't want to read somebody else's book and then write my book at the same time because I might have their voice become my voice. But when I'm in between projects, that's usually when I read or listen to audiobooks. When I got this question, I ran downstairs and pulled out an old box filled with writing stuff and some books that I still cherish. I also have titles of books that I don't own anymore for various reasons, but they still have helped me shape a lot of my current thinking. I wrote down a lot of books, not gonna lie, so I'll try to organize them by categories. So I hardly read business or art books because I prefer podcasts about that stuff, but the one that helped me have some confidence in sharing my own artwork, especially as a profession, is Show Your Work by Austin Kleon. It is super easy to read and it's um, just really impactful. It has practical advice that pushes an artist towards letting go of the fear behind sharing your work. We all have that. Um, This book actually helped me push past my fears and just encouraged me to be confident in my own artwork. It boosted me for sure. And so I love it so much for that reason. That's actually the only business book I have on this list because, like I said, I really uh, use podcasts and audiobooks uh, for the for that kind of thing. Um, and I'd rather uh, buy books that are um, more devotionals and personal development. Okay, so when it comes to working on myself as an overall person, we have some amazing books that used to be available through Pentecostal Publishing House. I'm not really sure if these are still in their inventory. They might be but I snagged them during conferences over the years and I am so glad that I did. The Girl in the Dress by Lori Wagner really gave me the spiritual building blocks for why we dress modestly. As someone who didn't grow up in church, it meant a lot to me to learn why we do what we do. Power of Speaking Positive by Joy Haney literally changed my life. It opened my eyes to toxic behavior I had within communication and using my words in a kind and positive way. The way Sister Haney writes is full of life and wisdom without being judgmental. And that's super important when tackling hard topics like the power of words and how to use them. She also shares so much scripture, which is something that really makes my little Bible studying heart love. Becoming Behavior by Ruth Harvey was so special. She has been a mentor and inspiration to me from the beginning. It was Sister Harvey who answered all of my annoying questions about self-publishing, editing, and how to get in touch with Pentecostal Publishing House for my own book. She served as my district ladies ministries coordinator for years here in Connecticut, and I am forever grateful for her leadership. Her book, Becoming Behavior, really sanded down some of my rough edges and taught me why behaving like a lady who loves God is important when following him. I absolutely love her. The Lord said, or was that me? by T.F. Tenney was funny and witty at the same time. His style of writing was like I was sitting next to him drinking coffee while he shared nuggets from God and it helped me learn how important it was for us to really know when God is speaking or not. Worth It by Nicole Arnold was a recent book by my fellow apostolic sister author and I can't tell you how beautiful this girl is from the inside out. I actually spoke to Nicole on season one of the podcast, episode 28, about responding to the call. 
Now, this book is so refreshing and contains a lot of great insights about being a young believer in this modern world. Tune into that episode to hear from Nicole herself as she shares how she got started writing her book and why she did it. Young and Saved by Dane Frager is a book that every generation needs, especially young Christian men. Dane writes in a raw and real way while also being respectful. Now he shares his struggles with purity and promiscuous addictions and how the Lord delivered him from that lifestyle and those desires. Now we have a lot of female books about purity or at least female books about holiness, but Dane's book really takes it to the next level for men. And I appreciate that, especially young men in Christ. I think the way that Dane approaches difficult topics is different than how the church has been doing it, if they even speak about it at all. And so I was really on fire after reading it. It's available on Amazon as a paperback or an ebook. All right, so these next few books are more specific to being a Christian wife and mother. Triggers by Amber Mills Leah and Wendy Speak is a powerful parenting book about angry motherhood. That's right. Sometimes moms get angry. And this was a very personal read to me. But I love the way that these two women discuss different reasons why we as moms might get angry, but also the biblical responses that we can have to curve our emotions. So they're from a different faith, but their ministry honestly helps so many Christian mothers be better for their children and families. And it's really incredible. Their book Triggers is available on Amazon as well. Unhurried Homeschooler by Dorenda Wilson was a short ebook through Kindle that comforted my homeschooling heart. There are a lot of fears that come with educating your own children, but this book confirms so many beautiful things about how I wanted to approach homeschooling, and it really helped me gain confidence in the way I want to educate my boys. You can find Unhurried Homeschooler on Amazon in the Kindle app. The Busy Woman's Guide to Soul Winning by Kimberly Sisko was another ladies' conference purchase. I was a young mother with my first child when I read it, and it really encouraged me to not be afraid to share the Lord with people wherever we go together. The grocery store, the library, the post office, Kimberly gives practical advice about sharing Jesus with the world as we are raising our children, and she does it in such a beautiful way. I believe I gave this book away, but hopefully I can regain a copy because it would be an awesome reread, especially now that my second baby is four. The last book I want to share is Praying for Your Husband from Head to Toe by Sharon James. What a powerful book. I had purchased the ebook version so I could read a few pages along with my morning devotion and it brought me into a deeper prayer life concerning my husband. At the time, he was working a few jobs and I love how the book gives specific prayers for each part of his body and being. His mind, eyes, lips, shoulders, heart, feet, and more. I highly recommend it and you can find that also on Amazon. All right, question number two. How did you get into ministry? What is your passion behind it? All right, well, let me start by saying that any ministry, no matter what it is, never starts overnight and is a process within itself. For me, it started with an online shop and blog. This blog helped me share some devotions that I've been working on personally and it helped me connect to a community online for the first time. I learned the power of working together, supporting other creatives, as well as how to boldly share your faith through an online platform. 
I began selling ebooks of my work and products with quotes and artwork, including hand painted mugs and screen printed tees that I made myself. Things really grew when I got a new phone and finally joined Instagram. This really changed everything because I was able to meet and connect with more people who shared the same faith views, but also who were doing their own creative work. We did a lot of collaborations and giveaways so that we could be exposed to more people and having fun while doing it. I started writing more books and self-publishing them. I would share bits and pieces of my books on Instagram, which was well-received. In every adventure, whether it was starting a new shop, being invited to speak, or launching a podcast, I always spoke with my husband and my pastor. Their confidence in me gave me freedom and released any shame attached to running a business while also being a full-time homeschooling mom. Of course, that was a quick summary how things got started. We would be here literally all day if I went into every detail, if I could even remember every detail. As far as my passion, well... I can only explain it as something God has placed deep within me that drives me to move forward. That he has given me a story to share and provide inspiration and hope to those in need of it. To show creative Christians that it's okay to have a different ministry. It's okay to be who God made you. To show young girls that God still loves them and wants what is best for them. That through Jesus, we have all that we could ever need and we don't need to find fulfillment anywhere else. This is my passion, to just keep sharing content that make others not feel so alone and feel closer to Jesus. Just remember that everybody's journey, especially in ministry, is different. And it's a journey. It's not a final destination. So we need to be okay with failing and learning and growing. If we quickly get discouraged, we need to take a minute to remind ourselves of what matters and the lessons that God wants us to know. God designed a special place for everyone, and it's okay that it doesn't look like the next person's. There are needs that only you can meet, and you must grow closer to God first so he can whisper them to your heart. Question three, how do you learn to love yourself? Wow, okay, well this is a very loaded question, and it actually says a lot about the person who asked the question. It tells me that you're hurting and that you need healing. Let's start by establishing that you will always be learning and changing. So I'm going to answer this question in a different way. While you should be kind to yourself, you should also be careful about loving yourself in a way that is unhealthy. For example, we should be careful loving toxic habits about who we are that also harm others or things that qualify as sin. One of the best things that we can do is remember that God wants us to change and evolve. But there will be things about our personality and makeup that might stay the same. And those are the things that we can learn to love about ourselves. Maybe you're super creative and can make something out of nothing. Maybe you're a musician and use those gifts to bless the church. Maybe you're optimistic and that perspective helps others feel at peace. Or maybe your quiet nature means that you are a great listener. So therefore, you're really a great friend. Maybe, for example, you have a sense of humor. Even when God is working on your heart and life happens, if you consistently keep your sense of humor and that is part of who you are, you can learn to appreciate that about yourself. We have to see the good in who we are, not just criticize the bad. So here's an exercise that you can do that is easy and effective. Ask three people 
who are closest to you. It could be family members, siblings, or best friends. And ask them each what is their favorite thing about you. Most likely, it will be about your makeup, who you are as a person, or how you've made them feel just by being you. If they all respond, guess what? You now have three things that you can be grateful for and start praying about. Ask the Lord to help you appreciate the things that they said, as long as they're healthy and safe, and let yourself rejoice over them. While we in Christianity are always blasting the motives of self-love, I think we've taken it too far. We actually accept harsh attitudes about who we are. And I don't think that's what God had in mind for us. I really don't. I don't think God created us to pick apart how terrible we are or constantly point to our sins to steal our joy. I don't think God wanted us in a constant state of condemnation. But I think that we can have a positive outlook about who we are and who we are becoming while he's still working on us. Okay, so question number four. Are you writing more books? Yeah, I am always writing more books. But here's the thing. I'm usually writing something different and I'm usually writing a couple things at the same time. Now, I actually thought one topic was going to be my next book, but the Lord placed an entirely different but exciting twist on it. I usually have a few ideas started and this is how my brain works. I have a notebook app called SumNote, S-O-M-N-O-T-E, where I can create notes and place them in color-coded folders to organize my thoughts. Then I add them, pray over them, and wait to see what happens. Doing this helps me during studying because I can add some thoughts to certain notes without fully committing to just one thing. I don't have to have a fully completed project. It's just adding notes here and there, depending on what the Lord has given me to learn. So this is also where I usually pull my quotes from that you see on Instagram on my page, Hello Awesome Ministries. Once I notice a theme or a topic pop up more and more and God keeps stirring my heart during studying, I usually work on the note a little bit longer and then that kind of shows me the direction for the next book. So I'm going to keep the title of the book that I am working on right now a secret until I have a final paperback copy in my hands, which should be in a few months, hint, hint. I am in the beginning stages of writing, so that just takes time, but it is going really well and I'm really excited about it. I have a good format and layout, so hopefully editing will be smooth. In my next book, I am taking five major topics and using them as five sections in a devotional. So each section will be talking about it for a few pages. And these topics I actually have already spoken about on Instagram and I have been purposefully creating content and dialogue around them to see what the reaction is and what you guys are actually wanting to learn and know. So everybody who has commented on it um, has really been giving really great feedback and I'm really excited about the results. Seeing what you guys are saying on Instagram in response to the certain topics that I've put out there is actually showing me the importance of talking more about these five topics and that there is a need to open up more conversations about them. So this book will not be too long, but it will be powerful. I really don't say that to be boastful. I just know what the Lord has given me and the things that he is teaching me, those things are powerful. And so I'm just sharing them with you. So it will center around these five topics that we can control in order to be who God is calling us to be. I anticipate generational curses that will be broken through this book 
and a revival in personal accountability. That is all I'm going to say about that. You'll just have to wait and stay tuned till 2020. Question five, how do you overcome the struggle of reminding yourself that your past is your past? Hmm. This is a really good question and I know that you're not the only one wanting an answer. So here's what has helped me. My past is not cute. It is not polished. But you know what? Neither are the testimonies of the people in the Bible that God used for great things. This isn't meant to justify sinful behavior, but to remind ourselves of God's forgiveness, grace, and mercy, and how we must adopt those for ourselves too. David was a murderer, and yet he wrote the most incredible poetry the world has ever read in the book of Psalms. Rahab was a harlot, a prostitute, who sacrificed her own life by helping Joshua's spies escape and became one of the most vital parts of Israel's bloodline that ultimately led to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul persecuted Christians and witnessed the stoning of Stephen, but through a powerful conversion, Saul became Paul, one of the most influential soul winners of the first church. He went on to pen incredibly profound lessons and truths in the New Testament that we are still reading and learning from and seeking wisdom from today. You have to stop asking yourself, can you use me? And you need to start asking God, how are you going to use me? Because if we look at the past of the people that he used in the Bible, the church will call them unqualified and maybe even hopeless. But God doesn't see you that way. If you have repentance and are working towards a better life and a better way, then you must also forgive yourself for a past that you can't change. You can't change what you did, but you can let it change what you do from this moment on. I think you have to understand that repentance and forgiveness doesn't erase your memories. You will most likely have emotions drummed up from time to time about your past, but you have to ask God to move you to a place where what you've done before can't control you now. And during this process, try not to dwell on the sin, but on the redemption. Ask the Lord to show you the beauty in the mess and never stop telling your story because you're ashamed of what people might think of you. Who cares? Because honestly, there is someone somewhere wondering if there is a way out of their own situation and you might be just the person that has been called to reach out your hand and pull them into their promise. And let me just say this. If you are surrounded by people who keep pointing at your past and that is not who you are anymore, kindly dismiss yourself from them and try not to be around those kind of people because they are still focused on the old you and not the you that God is working on right now. Question six. How do you handle being a lady in ministry? Honestly, it's kind of simple. If I'm practicing being a lady after God's heart outside of ministry, then it should be part of who I am. So when I am operating in ministry, I don't have to change much because it's part of me. I am not an active minister within the UPCI. However, I have been invited to teach and speak a few times a year at various events and churches. When these invitations come, I make it a point to ask two important people in my life. Not just because I value their opinion, but I believe they have been given to me to help guide me into the right decisions. 
These two people are my husband and my pastor, in that order. I take time to speak with each one before committing to any invitation because I am a lady, meaning I have respect for my authority, which in turn means I have respect for myself. It's way more than just a submissive thing, but it's a level of accountability, discernment, and counsel. Being a lady in ministry means honoring your feminist ways according to the Lord while also respecting the positions of men. It means that I am not trying to be a man and that I'm not trying to be the dominant gender, but a servant serving side by side in the kingdom with my fellow brothers. A lady in ministry views men in the church as family, brothers worthy of respect and honor, just like an earthly family. But also I have a spiritual obligation to understand their weaknesses and be mature enough not to take advantage of those for my own gain whatever that may be. I have seen women in power treat men with distaste, even their own leadership. I have seen women with power talk down to others in an attempt to appear smarter when in fact it only revealed a toxic character flaw. I do my best not to associate with attitudes like that or people who want me to justify such behavior. Now, if you are wondering whether or not I believe a woman can preach, pastor, teach, and how I would personally handle criticism when I'm faced with somebody who believes the opposite. I actually haven't had any personal experience with this, thank God. My husband and pastor are extremely supportive of women in ministry roles, especially those feeling called to preach, teach, and pastor. I won't get into any biblical pieces of evidence right now, maybe in the future, but if and when the time comes that somebody is in opposition of that, I believe God will help me in how to handle that issue. For now, my ministry is a creative one that only filters into real life a couple times a year, and I'm more than okay with that. A lady in ministry strives to be the best version of herself, but is also content with the type of ministry God is willing to place in her hands. Hopefully, that answers your question. Question 7. Did you get a lot of backlash from other apostolic women about working from home? Long story short, yes. And I share a little bit about that in episode 10, Encouragement for the Judge Mom. In that episode, I talk about stay-at-home moms, work-from-home moms, and work-outside-the-home moms, and why each family is unique and each mom might have a different story, but it doesn't mean that she loves her children less. The fact that you even sent me that question tells me that you may have experienced some negativity surrounding working from home from other apostolic women. And let me just say this. You might also want to listen to episode 17 with Whitney Gothra. We talk about this for a little bit, and I love how she talks about being a creative mom. And it's okay if you are not a mother. She shares a lot of great insight about working from home. If you have been wanting to work from home, and you have heard negative narratives about it, or somebody is talking down to you if this is your current situation, let me just tell you this. They don't know you. They don't know the needs of your family. They don't know what God is doing in your heart or in your home. They might be related to you or not, but that honestly doesn't matter. They don't get to decide how you serve your family well. You do. Your home is your own business, period. How you and your husband operate within your four walls and with your children is between you guys. As long as everybody is happy healthy, and spiritually fed, no one else should have a say. Now, I am not saying that 
Family members can't speak about their concerns for you. I think that we should be open to dialogue with genuine people who truly want what is best for us and we should give them a platform to talk and to share that. But not people who want to project their ideas on you and there is a difference. I've had people tell me that I was ignoring my children whenever I was writing or working. As if we are supposed to be cultivating their activities and joys 24-7 without allowing them to navigate that on their own. Sometimes I've had people call me lazy because of an unkept house because working from home means, well, you're home, so working on house stuff is priority. Well, for me, it's not. It will get done when it gets done, but priority to me right now in my life is taking care of my children, homeschooling them, and doing my work. Being a writer is a different kind of career, and it's not going to look the same as other people's. It's not a simple punch-in-the-clock 9-to-5. So try to take the advice with a grain of salt. And if you have to start putting up boundaries to protect your mental health, please do it. You can kindly tell them that every family has different needs and God is opening up a way for you to meet the needs of your family differently than them. And that is more than okay. Whew, okay, wow. I really didn't realize how deep we would get into some of these questions, but I'm really glad that we went there. Okay, so last question of this Q&A. What would your advice be to someone who wants to write a book but doesn't know where to start? Perfect. I love answering this question because I do get it a lot. Okay, I actually wrote a little blog post about this years ago, and so I'm going to share that advice with you right now. I do get this question a lot, like I said, and hopefully this will jumpstart your first book. Um, Before we even start the first page, here are three steps to help you toward writing your book. There are a lot of false mindsets about writing that I had to break down and power through. Many of them I created myself from assumptions, but things needed to change because I was going from being a dreamer to a doer. I couldn't just be in my head. I actually had to take action. So I hope that you can start off on a better foot and clear mind than I did. Regardless of the genre or style that you want to write, these tips can help your mind prepare for what is to come. Okay, step one pray. Now, that sounds so cliche, but in this step, we need to take a moment to reflect on what we want to write, why we want to write it, and where our hearts are. Start a prayer or a devotional journal specifically for writing. Before you write, sit down and journal your thoughts and feelings. Meditate, find peace, and invite patience into your space. For me, I ask God to direct my thoughts and words. When you take time before you write to get centered, you are more likely to create something you are proud of and that honors him. Okay, step two, plan. Now, anybody who knows me, I'm a big advocate of writing without planning. I'm not a spontaneous person. I'm just kind of a reckless one. um, And that gets me in trouble sometimes. So schedule a time every day, usually the same time, strictly for working on your book, for writing your book, not on blog posts, not articles, not Instagram captions, not Facebook posts. Take time to map out your book, your summary, your characters, chapters, layout, etc., etc. Focus on the bigger picture of what you want your book to sound like, feel like, be like, Think of your target audience and ask yourself some questions and keep this all in that journal I was telling you about. You can even use that app that I was telling you about. Some note, this is how I organize my thoughts. 
You can ask questions like, what can I say to inspire my readers? How do I want the reader to feel when they finish my book? What do I want them to learn from my book? And then answer those questions and keep those close by throughout the entire book writing process so you can go back and check on them. Step three, push. Even before you start the first word, distractions will call your name. Phone notifications will beep, emails will sing, and neighbors will knock. That is life. Those can wait. Unless your neighbor has an emergency, then you can send them next door to the other neighbor. Just kidding. Well, maybe. Just remember your scheduled writing time and stick to it as much as you can. If you're having writer's block, take a minute to pray, review your plan, and push through. Through the darkness, through the cobwebs, and through the mess you call your own mind. Sometimes it is good to take a break, but don't use it as an excuse to slack. Keep in mind, your dream is to become an author and write a book, right? No one is going to write it for you. And quite honestly, no one can write it but you. Above all, keep the fire going on what you're writing. Right now, you're the only one in the cheering section, and hopefully God is too. And that's okay. You have to give yourself lots of grace, pour lots of coffee, and follow through. All right, wow. This has been a really fun episode in my opinion. So let me know if you've enjoyed it too. Do you think I should do a Q&A episode every season? That might be kind of cool. If you do, please DM me on Instagram or email me at helloawesomeshop at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Guys, season two is almost half over and I honestly can't believe it. 2020 is almost here. But I am excited to say that we have five brand new episodes coming up before we end the year and you're not going to want to miss them at all. So be sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes so you can be notified of a new episode. And of course, keep those positive reviews coming because they are helping people see the podcast more. I might even choose one or two of the reviews to read in future episodes. Now next week, I'll be sharing my awesome conversation with the hair guru herself, Hannah Grayley. We talk about pushing past comfort zones when sharing our passions, and Hannah will be giving some hair care tips you're going to want to have. All right, my friend, I hope you have a sweet, sweet day, and we will, of course, chat again real soon. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories? Tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries. It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeministries.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.